uh, I felt compelled by the Lord to just share uh, a little bit. I, I, I'll call this some exhortation. And if you're like, what in the world is that? The Bible says that we should be exhorted. Um, and what it really means is, is to be encouraged. And sometimes that encouragement can be, uh, it can be challenging. Sometimes it can just be like, yeah, I'm on in. Like, that's good. You know, it just depends on how it hits you. Um, but, but I think it's so important for us as a church to know that God is speaking. And, and so I want to share with you something that I feel like the Lord impressed on my heart, just as a way of exhorting you, encouraging you, even challenging you a little bit, because we need that right now. Because I think there's something going on in our culture that is really doing damage. Um, and in our effort to do the right thing, Sometimes what happens is a lot of other things get messed up down the line. And so here's what I want to share with you. And this is something I felt like I heard the Lord say to my heart, and I just want to share it with you. In our effort to, uh, in our effort to lessen the virus, to what they say, uh, shrink the curve, right? That's the language I think that gets used. In our effort to do that, which I'm for, I'm not against, I think it's important that we do what we need to do in order to do the responsible and wise thing. And, and yet, as you know, we've done a variety of things around here to try and help, uh, as they say, you know, deal with that social distancing, mass. I mean, people, you get it. And I'm for all those things. I do because I, I, I believe uh, I, it always confuses me as to why someone gets offended at masks. I mean, it just doesn't make any sense to me. I understand that you feel like your rights are being stolen. I get that. But I think as Christians, we always want to be looking to help other people. And if I take a posture that isn't that towards people that may want me to wear a mask because it's helpful to them, I have to be a servant. I need to learn to be more of a servant in those situations. But that's not even my point. I don't want you to get distracted. Stay with me. Lessening this curve in covid the result, though, indirectly and directly, is that there are all these other curves that have now gone crazy, that have all risen, that, that we're seeing numbers in our country that we've never seen before. Things like depression, anxiety, addiction, loneliness, suicide. All of these things are real just as much as COVID is real. And in our effort to do a good thing, which I think was good, all of these other things have gotten out of control. So an unintended consequence of us doing a good thing led to this. And here's the point I want you to see. And it's so important. Please don't dismiss me. Put away your feelings for a second. Because it's so important you hear this. The enemy of your soul. The Bible describes him as Satan. Wants nothing more than to get you isolated. Can you agree that COVID has isolated us? And I get why. 
but the enemy is busy. And we are seeing people destroyed right now because of it. And so, one, I want you to see that the enemy is busy, especially in isolation. And the other is that we can't forget that the Bible is so clear about the power of God's people together. And the power of that in the physical for the nourishment of our souls and our spirits. And I understand that when I say that, some of us are like, well, I I don't know what to do. I get it. But I'm telling you, if we don't get this figured out, the problems that we are going to experience on the back end of this thing are much worse than the death of our bodies. And I don't even like to talk about it. Look, I'm not saying I want to die. I am saying I want to live. And I am saying that God has a plan and a purpose for all of that. And I think we got to be careful that in our process of doing with dealing with this thing, that we don't forget that these things are also very real. And so what I want to say to you, and you have to hear me today, is because of the power of God's family, because of the power of God's church in your life, and it being so important to your life, do whatever it takes to get to the house of the Lord. If you have to wear a hazmat suit to show up, then do it. I promise you, I will not laugh at you. Do whatever it takes, but do not allow the enemy to destroy your soul in the middle of this pandemic. God has a plan for your life. And it's not to be isolated. I'm telling you, some of you need to get out of your house, get to the house of the Lord. And what will happen is you just begin to fellowship your spirit, your loneliness, your depression, your anxiety. All that stuff will begin to be affected. Because it's not, it's not the moose lodge. It's not the elks. It's the kingdom of God. It's the people of God. It's where the very power of God is in his people right there and we've forgotten that so don't lose sight of that and I love all you people online I love you again and all I ask you to do if you disagree with me that's fine I just am asking you to consider what I'm saying just consider it matter of fact search the scriptures and see if I'm wrong and then if you really think I'm wrong Pray about it. Let's see what the Holy Spirit says to you. Read his word and see what the Holy Spirit says to you. And then do whatever he tells you to do. Let me pray for us. God, I thank you so much. I thank you for your word. I thank you for what it means to each one of us. We ask as we dive into your scriptures today that you'd teach us. You'd make us better. Make us wiser. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. Thank you, Matt. Appreciate you. Thank you. Appreciate that some of you liked what I had to say. (laughs) So we jump in here to the series. 
Um, we are in a series called Do the Right Thing. And I want to just start here with our series verses. Perhaps you've heard these already. Maybe you're newer and you've not heard these. But I just want to make sure that these are in the background uh, as we continue. This entire series is about the, the, the fact that we all need wisdom. When you say that's true, like in this season, I mean, it's like, man, I need some wisdom. I don't even know what to do in this situation. I don't know how to respond in this situation. Well, the good news is, is that the Bible has things to say about that. And so I want to start here in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 21 through 25. And then I want to flip over to James chapter 1, verse 5. And so here, here are the verses I want to share with you. My child, never drift off course from these two goals for your life. To walk in wisdom and to discover discernment. Seems pretty straightforward, doesn't it? Don't forget, don't ever forget how they empower you. For they strengthen you inside and out and inspire you to, say it with me, to do what's right. You'll be energized and refreshed by the healing that they bring. Doesn't that sound good? Doesn't it sound good to, to, to have a refreshing, energizing healing that comes from knowing the wisdom of God so that we can know what to do with it? And James 1.5 says this, if, if, if you need wisdom... Ask our generous God and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. See the good news? So if you are in a situation where you need wisdom, the Bible says if you'll simply ask God, he'll give it to you. And by way of just kind of reminding you of the things that we've talked about over the last few weeks, I'll share some of the big ideas that came from that. The first is, is that wisdom starts with a proper relationship with God. You can't know what God is about or know his wisdom without knowing the God that originated it. You need to know God. You need to know what God is about. And so it starts with a proper relationship with God. The second thing is that we talked about how wisdom is freely given to believers who desire to have it. Isn't that what James says? If you, if you want it, you can ask, and our generous God will give it to you. And then here's the, I, I would say this is the, the most obvious one I've said, and I, I call this my Captain Obvious statement, and it's this. Getting wisdom is the wisest thing you can do in life. Seems Kind of obvious, doesn't it? And, and, and there's a part of me who's like, well, well, that was really obvious. And I was like, I know, but it's straight from the scripture. That's what the scripture says. And I actually think it's because the scripture wants us to think it's redundant. Think about that. Like it is redundant, isn't it? It's like, okay, I get it. The, the wisest thing you do is the wisest thing and the thing, the thing, the wise. And you're like, oh, I got it. Because they want the, the, the writer wants you to see that wisdom is so important to your success. And so it is the wisest thing that you can do. Now, in nine days, we have an election. Did you know that? You aware of that? Yeah. We have an election in nine days. And, and I don't want to stand up here and tell you, okay, you should do this, this, and this. But I do know that people are asking this question. What am I supposed to do? You know? You're asking that question, God, what are we supposed to do? Or maybe you're even asking friends or you're, you're, you're reflecting and you're wrestling. And, 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 and so I want to give just a few things. I want to give you three things that I think will help you. The first is, one, pray. The second is listen. And the third is act. Pray, listen, act. Now, I, I found that a lot of people are spending a lot of time doing a lot of things 
But I want to just simply say to you, if you want to know what's right, then pray to the one that knows all things. You see? So pray to the one that can help you discern what's right. Pray to the one that can help you discern what the next move is. And then, in addition to that, begin to listen. Stop talking. Okay? Stop writing. Just listen. Listen to people. Listen to to where they're coming from. Listen to politicians. Listen intently. 70% of communication is body language. Watch people's body language. Just listen and watch. Listen and watch. And you know what will happen? In the middle of all of that, in the middle of the silence, as you listen, you know what God's going to do? He's going to speak. He's going to speak to you. And as you search the scriptures, he's going to speak to you. Do you believe that? If you don't believe that, that's part of the problem. If you don't believe that God wants to speak to you, that is part of the problem. And perhaps you could just say, God, I I believe you want to speak. And so I'm going to create some space for you to speak. And I'm going to begin to pray and I'm going to begin to listen. And then whatever you tell me to do, I'm going to do it. Whatever that is. Now just remember this. God is never going to tell you to do something contrary to his word. Just keep that in mind. And so as you pray, as you listen, and as you act, keep those things in mind. And then finally, I want to share the scripture with you because I found it so enlightening. And this is from Hebrews chapter 5, verse 11. And the writer of Hebrews is, is, is writing to the people of God. And, and this is what he says. He says, we have much to say about this. But it's hard to make it clear to you because you no longer try to understand. Isn't that interesting? And I found that there's a lot of people that have no interest in understanding where other people are coming from. Matter of fact, I have had very few people talk to me as their pastor about what to do in this situation. Now, that may mean because you're scared of me. I get it. But my point is, is that are we learners? Are we disciples? Are we, are we willing to open ourselves up to the possibility that God wants to speak to us? Or have we just simply said, no, I know what I think. I know what I think. Or maybe, just maybe, God has something for us. And I just want to say to all of you, anybody that's had a personal conversation with me, or maybe you've emailed me, or we've had a conversation on the phone about some of these matters, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for doing that. I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you for taking advantage of that. Because this is a season that we all could learn something. In every challenge we face as human beings, there's a chance for us to learn something. And God is speaking, and he wants to speak to his people. All we have to do is open up our ears a little bit and discover it. So, okay, I'm done talking about the election for, for, for a few minutes. You guys okay? Good, thank you, Sarah. This is fair. appreciate it. Appreciate that one of you is okay. I want to start here with a definition of wisdom. Wisdom is the capacity to see things from God's perspective and respond according to scriptural principles. In other words, I see through God's lens, okay? I'm seeing the world, I'm seeing people, I'm seeing it all through God's lens. And then out of that, I am responding with scriptural responses to those things. That's what the Bible describes as wisdom. Wisdom is not just something you get in a fortune cookie, okay? Wisdom is something that you are seeing it from God's perspective and then you are acting on it, right? You're acting on it so that these things can come to bear in the world. 
Now, I want to share with you something that, that, that uh, Dr. Henrietta Mears said. And if you don't have this book, I encourage you to get it. It's what the Bible is all about. It's a great resource to you. So if you're studying the Bible, if you ever wanted to look deeper into the Bible, this is a book that I think you should get. It's called What the Bible is All About by Dr. Henrietta Mears. And this is what she says. She's contrasting Psalms and Proverbs. So there are two books in the Bible, Psalms and Proverbs. Maybe you've heard of these. She's contrasting them in order to help us see what Proverbs is really all about. Watch this. She says this. In the Psalms, we find Christians on their knees. In Proverbs, we find Christians on their feet. In the Psalms, the Psalms are for Christian devotions. And the Proverbs are for the Christian's walk. The Psalms are for the prayer closet. The Proverbs are for the business place, the home, and the playground. Isn't that interesting? I love how she contrasts those things. Is that, is that, what she's saying is, of course be in your prayer closet. Of course be in the Psalms. Of course be in the presence of God as you walk through the Psalms. Of course. But don't ever forget. But the Proverbs are there to help us to put it into action, to do the right thing, to not just know the right things, but to also do the right things. And so she's trying to help us to see how important the Proverbs are to help us do that. And so today, here's the big idea that I want you to have. Wisdom is given by God to inform and affect all aspects of human life. God gives us wisdom to make sure that we are informed, but we also are affected by it on such a level that it transforms us in all areas. That's what wisdom is for. Now listen to this. I want to read something to you out of Proverbs chapter 3, verse 21 through 26. This is in the Amplified Version. <clears throat> My son... Let them not escape from you. He's talking about wisdom. Let them not escape from your sight, but keep sound and godly wisdom and discretion. Verse 22. And they will be life to your inner self and a gracious ornament to your neck or your outer self. And then watch this in verse 23. Then, okay, look, look. Anytime you see a then, it's important because in order to have a then, you had to have an it, an if. And so there was an if, and then there's a then. What's the if? He says, well, if you will keep these things in your life, if you will focus on godly wisdom and, and look to these things and see them from God's perspective, he says, then all of these things will come to pass. And it's true that if we don't do the first part, then the second part doesn't come to pass. He goes on, he says, then you will walk in your ways securely, and in confident trust. And you shall not dash your foot or stumble. Ooh, thank God. I don't want to stumble. I don't want to dash my foot. He says, if you will put wisdom in front, these things will be true. He goes on in verse 24. When you lie down, you shall not be afraid. Yes, you shall lie down and your sleep shall be sweet. Some of us have had some sleepless nights lately. We've struggled. We have not had peace. And the Bible says that part of the reason that is is because we haven't focused on the wisdom of God and the presence of God in our life so that we might have peace. I need peace in my life. I want to be able to sleep at night, don't you? And yet the Bible says that wisdom from God can lead to that. 
Verse 25, do not be afraid of sudden terrors and panic, nor the stormy blasts. Do you see what he's saying? He's saying you're going to have storms. You're going to have challenges in your life. Don't be afraid of them. Don't be afraid. Don't, get, don't be afraid of the terror. Don't be afraid of the stormy blast. Don't be afraid of COVID. This is not the first time in human history that we've dealt with things like this. And God is not overwhelmed by them. And so may we not be in a panic. May we not cower in fear because of the storms of this life. And ruin, look at this, ruin of of the wicked when it comes. He says, for you will be guiltless. You'll be guiltless. You know how you get to be guiltless? Jesus. You want to be, you want to stand before God guiltless? The Bible says that Jesus will help you get there. Matter of fact, on a practical level, when I, pro- when I practice the promises of God, when I, uh, when I allow the Proverbs of God to inform my life and act in them, the good news is, is that I literally will stand before people guiltless because I'm doing the next right thing. You get it? And so you can be free by simply applying the wisdom of God in your life. It goes on in verse 26, For the Lord shall be your confidence, firm and strong, and shall keep your foot from being caught in a trap or some hidden danger. See, wisdom helps us put our confidence in God again, not in ourselves. See, see, wisdom is intended to affect everything. Everything. Say that with me. Everything. It's intended to affect everything. Did you notice as we walk through that particular proverb, he says, he says, wisdom will affect and inform both your inner and outer life. It affects everything. It affects your soul. It affects your body. It affects your mind. It affects your emotions. It affects your spirit. All of it is affected and intended to be affected by the wisdom of God. It's like a wisdom virus. that's supposed to take over the whole thing. See? Do you see what he's saying? And that's what we've got to see. Here's the other thing. He says that we will not stub our toe unnecessarily. Have you ever stubbed your toe? Come on. Isn't that fun? No, it's awful, isn't it? I've done it before. I've, I've, oh, I've kicked stuff before and it hurts so bad. Oh, it hurts so bad. You know what I'm talking about? Just that pain of like, oh, you fall down and you want to scream out loud. And maybe you do. Or some of you, you might even cuss. Is that, that you guys? Okay, all right. I've figured out that a mature believer, that if you stub your toe and you don't cuss, you're officially a mature believer. But there's a, you know what I'm talking about. You, you get up in the middle of the night, you hit your toe, your toenail flies off and blood squirting out, right? It's awful. It's awful. I know, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> but here's what he's saying. He's saying that the wisdom of God is light. In a dark room where you can't see where you're going, the wisdom of God turns the lights on. And most of us are not going to stub our toe when the lights are on. It's when we can't see. 
And see, what wisdom does is it illuminates the world around us. And it helps us see the dangers. It helps us see the challenges. It helps us see the bedpost so that we don't stub our toe. See, wisdom gives us peace of mind. We need peace, don't we? We need peace in our world. We need peace in our lives. We need peace in our family. We need peace in our interpersonal relationships. We need peace in our marriage. We need peace, don't we? And the Bible says the way you get it is through the Proverbs of God. Doing what he tells you to do. So good. Acting wisely gives us a clear conscience so that we don't need to worry. Wisdom leads to greater levels of God confidence. Do you notice I didn't say Daniel confidence? I didn't say that. I didn't say, no, I said God confidence. I don't need more confidence in this world. I don't need more confidence in medicine. I don't need more confidence in science. I don't need more confidence in this, that, or the other. I need more confidence in God. See, God is the one that I can trust. God is the one that can give me everything that I need. And I'm not saying that some of those things aren't important. I'm just simply saying that when I get my eyes off God and I begin to look at all of these other things, fear, worry, all of those things come visiting, knocking at the door, and all that God wants to give me is gone. We need God confidence, don't we? Wisdom gives us greater confidence in the Lord. God is so much bigger than our problems. He just is. God is never, ever um, nervous. Did you know that? He's never nervous. He's never freaked out. He never panics. And that's good news, isn't it? That however big your problem is today, God's not rattled at all. And he just says, come to me. You come to me. Ask me. Ask me. And I'll show myself to you. Wow. I I, I think that's pretty amazing. I don't know about you. I do. Thank you. I feel like I've got a whole crew over here. And I kind of want them to visit over here. No. Three different groups in Israel that I think I want to show you. And this is important. There were religious groups in Israel, two of which you probably know who they are. The first is, is you've probably heard of priests and Levites, maybe. Maybe you heard of priests and Levites. They were a part of the religious establishment, but one of the things they were responsible for was leading and serving in the temple. You may or may not know that, but that's what their job was. There are also some people called prophets. See, prophets were there, part of the religious order. Their job was to speak the word of God to God's people. Their job was to basically say, this is what God is saying. Okay, so you've probably heard of these two groups. Here's the group that I think most people have not heard of. The other group is called the wise men. The wise men. Now, at this time in history, women weren't ever brought into that. And so just it, it, that's just a historical fact. Doesn't mean it's true for today. I'm just simply saying that's what was going on then. And so these wise men had a very specific job. They were a part of the religious order in order to make sure that the Jewish society functioned properly. And it's important you get this. The wise men's job were to intersect not sacred environments, but secular environments with the wisdom of God. Get this. 
And so without these wise men, what happens is that the moral compass that comes from that wisdom gets depleted. And then the society, not just the sacred, but the secular is affected. Does that make sense? And so what's happened in, in, in what can happen is that when wisdom, God's wisdom, is brought out of these secular environments, what can happen is that we lose our way. Now, you're probably smart enough to figure out where I'm going with this. But I just want to be as clear as I possibly can. That when we eliminate the wise men and women of God, when we eliminate God's proverbs, when we eliminate the wisdom of God from the secular environment, it has devastating consequences on our society. And I know that this is dabbling in some stuff that people don't particularly enjoy talking about. And I'm not asking you to just accept everything I'm saying hook, line, and sinker. But I am saying this. At least give me a hearing. Consider what I'm saying. Deal with the facts. And see if any of what I'm saying is possible. Because I believe that when the wise men are no longer a part of the secular culture, what can happen is a variety of things like governmental administration, moral, secular education, all of these things can be affected. Matter of fact, I don't know if you know this. Let's just stick with me. I'm going to give you a history lesson. You guys okay? You need to shake it off. Some of you are like, I don't want to go to history class. Hey, if you don't know where you came from, you're going to definitely mess up where you're going. 1879 was the first time in our country's history that the phrase separation of church and state was used. Did you know that? that, that I mean, that's true. Matter of fact, it was used by the Supreme Court to help us better understand maybe what the founders were really trying to talk about when they were talking about the religious establishment clause in the First Amendment. Okay? Just stick with me. Don't gloss over yet. They were trying to help us better understand it. And matter of fact, I don't particularly have a problem with how they defined it. Because I, I, I think there is a need for that kind of separation to happen because I don't want the government telling me what to do. I, 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 as a Christian, I want to be able to practice my faith and not necessarily be told what to do by the government. And I don't want the state uh, establishing my faith or, you know, I'm good with that. I, I think that's how it should be. So I think it's an interpretation of what the meaning of the founders were in order to better help us understand. And, and, and quite frankly, most people agree that it's a good interpretation. But here's the thing that's really troubling to me. And I think it's something that we have to see is that God never intended it for us to be a compartmentalized people. God wants us to be whole. His goal was always to be whole. That's what he wants. So he wants us to be complete. And so what happens, though, is when you have a separation of church and state, what happens is somehow you think, well, I can't be who I am in those environments. That is not what the founders intended. It is not. And so what I mean by that is, listen to this. Think about it this way. If, if I'm a politician and I get elected to some kind of office, is the goal that I would no longer cease to be who I am? <laughs> like, like somehow I just like, oh, I'm going to leave Jesus at home. I'm going to leave the wisdom of God at home. No, no, no. I don't think that's what they intended. What they intended was that wherever I am, under the establishment of the First Amendment, 
I can be that in whatever environment, whether it's religious, whether it's educational, whether it's governmental, I can be who I'm supposed to be. Now, I know that that creates all kinds of complications and even sometimes can be messy. But if we don't have that, what's the alternative? The alternative is, is that we completely separate it away and we vilify it. And the result is some of the things that we're experiencing as a society today. Because when you lose your moral compass, what happens? Do you see what I'm getting at? And I'm not even asking you to completely agree with me. I'm just asking you to consider what I'm saying. Because I think it's important for us to look at this as a society. Matter of fact, the establishment clause is there so that I can stand in a public environment. And share what's on my heart to share. That's why it's there. It's there to actually protect me as well as other people. Even in job situations, it's there. And what happens is we start to believe this nonsense that's out there. And it's not true. It's something we always have to consider because my concern is, is that we've given away some of our freedoms simply because we're told it's a separation of church and state. And it is. But that doesn't mean I cease to be a Christian in whatever environment I'm in. Do you see what I'm getting at? There's a nuance there. And, and we have to be smart enough to see it and then walk in it. And then I'll say this, in the last 50 years, I think our church has gotten soft. We don't like to be persecuted. We like everything to be rosy. Like we want everybody to like us. It's going to be great. Woo! But Jesus never said that would happen. And you need to hear me. I think trouble is coming. And I'm not saying that to scare you. I'm simply just saying you got to be ready. you got to be willing to stand up and say, look, I'm not doing that. And if that means you hate me, I don't want you to hate me. I love you. But... I, I'm just not going to do that. And that's okay. And if you cancel me, that's fine. But I'm not going to do that. Do you see what I'm getting at? Yeah. There's a tension coming. And it's already here. And you see it. And I just simply want to say to you today, if we don't begin to redirect our energy towards a moral compass in our society, let me be clear, America will not survive. And it has nothing to do with Trump or Biden. They're symptoms of a deeper problem. The deeper problem is that wise men and women are no longer bringing a compass to these areas, these secular areas of life. Okay. Can you guys shake it off? <laughs> okay. Whew. I know that was really intense. But I, will you at least consider? Give me a hearing. Will you consider it? Thank you. The reason the Bible gives us Proverbs, Job, and Ecclesiastes is because the Bible wants us to be able to be wise. And so in order for us to do that, we have to make sure that we're getting the wisdom of God and that we're delivering it to the world around us. See, education can help us with all kinds of things. Government can help us organize and administrate society. But only wisdom can teach us to live. Do you know that? Only wisdom. See, a moral educator, they instruct our young people of the day, but they, what they can't do, they can, instruct, they can instruct young people to make a living, but what they can't do is teach them how to live. And only the moral compass of God can do that. And so we have to make sure that, that we understand that. Now, I have a whole Proverbs chapter 3, verse 27 through 35, and I just, I'll read through it really quick. Just stay with me. I want you to get this. Verse 27. Why would you withhold a payment on your debt when you have the ability to pay? 
Just do it. I like that. When, when your friend comes to ask you for a favor, why would you say perhaps tomorrow? When you have the money right there in your pocket, help him today. It just seems very practical, doesn't it? Why would you hold a grudge in your heart towards your neighbor who lives right next door? Why would you quarrel with those who, who, who have done nothing wrong? And then he says, is that a chip on your shoulder? <laughs> Don't act like those bullies and learn from their ways. We have bullies in our world today. Every violent thug, listen, is despised by the Lord. Man, that's strong language, isn't it? But every tender lover finds friendship with God will hear his intimate secrets. I want to hear the intimate secrets of God. And he says the wicked walk under God's constant curse, but godly lovers walk under a stream of his blessing. Look at it. For they seek to do what's right. If you walk with mockers, you will learn to mock. But God's grace, but if, but God's grace and favor flow to the meek. Stubborn fools fill their lives with disgrace, but glory and honor rests upon the wise. See, your mama was right. If you lay down with dogs, you're going to come up with fleas. If you hang out with mockers, you will be a mocker. If you, if you are a critic, if you hang out with critics, you will become a critic. And those things, they create division. And quite frankly, they disgrace the name of Jesus. I want glory and honor to be my story. The Bible teaches us what to do with money, justice, forgiveness, tension, pride, violence, blessings. I mean, it's all right there. Very practical. The wisdom of God is very practical. It'll help you know what to do in your money situations. It'll help you know what to do in your relationships. It'll help you know what to do as you spelunk your heart. Huh? As you bounce around inside the inner chambers of your heart and things are revealed to you that you think, oh God, I don't even know what to do with. The Bible says that God can help you with those things. Relationships, people problems. You know that person you hate? You know that person that annoys the living uh, fire out of you? The Bible can help you with that. That's what's so great about the Bible. And so wisdom teaches us the intimate secrets of God. God, would you speak? Would you give us the, the intimate secrets? And wisdom, give us the blessings. Meekness, honor. Thank you, Lord. Okay, I'm done. I can see you guys are you're, you're tired. I get it. It's warm in here. Holy moly. As I end, I, I do want to pray. I want to pray for us as a, as a nation. I want to pray for our election. I also want to pray for you specifically because in the next nine days, there's a lot that's going to happen. And I'm going to say more about this, but I'll tell you this. I think it's more important what Christians do on November 4th that matters most of all. I really do. I really do. And I'll talk more about that, but I just want us to consider some of the things I talked about today because we desperately need God's wisdom, don't we? And so I want to pray for us. God, we need your wisdom. We need to know what to do and when to do it. Some of us know the what, but we don't know the when. And perhaps you're here today and you're willing to begin to pray, begin to listen. And whenever he tells you to do something, you'll do it. Maybe that's you. And I just want to pray for you for the strength of the Lord to come upon you. God, I pray in Jesus' name that you would give people today what they need to be able to usher in the presence of God 
and the wisdom of God in their lives. I don't know if you've been experiencing worry, anxiety, fear, maybe even a lack of peace in your life. If that's you, I'd love to be able to pray for you as well. And so, God, I pray right now in the name of Jesus for anybody that's gripped with anxiety, fear, worry. God, I ask in Jesus' name, people that are uh, dealing with addictions, people are dealing with, with brokenness right now in their families because of this situation. I ask in Jesus' name, Father, for, a, for an impartation of your spirit that people would begin to come out of that, Lord, that the scales would begin to fall off and they would begin to see clearly and they'd begin, begin to experience the peace that comes from knowing you. God, I ask that those things would come to pass. You know, with heads bowed and eyes closed, I, I do want to ask you this. The Bible says that in order for me to have wisdom, I've got to have a proper, a proper relationship with God. And the only way I have a proper relationship with God is through His Son, Jesus Christ. And I just want to ask you, do you know Him? Do you have a relationship with him? Is he Lord of your life? Do you talk to him on a regular basis? Perhaps you've walked away. Perhaps you've never committed yourself. I just, I just want to give you an opportunity to respond to the gospel. See, the Bible says that in order to have a proper relationship with God, I need Jesus. And see, Jesus came into the world as a baby and grew into a man and at age 33 went to a cross to die a brutal death so that you might have a proper relationship with God. He's the ultimate bridge builder. And that's what he did for you and for me. And the Bible says that if I will confess with my mouth and believe in my heart that these things are true, that God will come in and he'll begin to do exactly what he says he'll do. And so I just want to give you an opportunity to respond to that. If, if you don't have a relationship with God, if you've never prayed that prayer, I just want to lead you in a prayer. And you can repeat this after me. Everybody's praying together. Nobody's praying alone. There's nothing magical about this prayer. All I ask is that you mean it. Just mean it. Lord Jesus, I need you. I ask your forgiveness. Will you be my savior? I believe in you. I trust you. Would you change me from the inside out? I choose this day to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Can we celebrate those that are making decisions today?